way the Lord led me and the way the Lord orchestrated everything, it just dovetails into a certain theme uh, of what God wants to do. And I felt led really to go back to Elijah uh, and, and to the message I initially preached to you uh, a few weeks ago uh, on chapter 17, the first Kings, uh, where he appeared out of nowhere as the Gileadite and appeared before King Ahab and said, Thus saith the Lord, there will be no rain except by my word. Amen. Until it rains again. Hallelujah. And sure enough, it was that. And God told him to go hide himself at the brook Cherith. That is before Jordan. And uh, that, that's where he was. And, and so I want to continue with this story. I want to pick up in verse 9. Excuse me. Let's go back to verse 7 to give it more context. And uh, we'll pick up there and pay particularly close attention to each and every verse. Okay? Because... You know, we're talking about greater things here. And the life of Elijah models what God does in a person's life to bring him to a place where he can be used in greater things. It's not just a story we're focusing on. We're focusing on the development of a man of God who would increase in faith that God could use him in greater ways. Amen. So before I read the verse, I think the, the, the kids have been dismissed. Amen. Is that right? And the youth, youth haven't nothing. Youth are in. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So 1 Kings chapter 17 is important again because what I'm going to tell you today is, again, another step in the development of a man of God. And so I want to, want to focus on it. Chapter 17, verse 7. And it came to pass after a while. The brook dried up. Naturally, there had been no rain. Because there had been no rain in the land. Surprise. And the word of the Lord came unto him. That's Elijah saying. Arise. Everybody say arise. Get thee. See the step-by-step -step approach here. Arise. Get the, you know God's instructions are very simple. It's one, two, three. Salvation is simple. It's repent. Step one, get baptized. Step two, step three, receive the Holy Ghost. It's simple. Hallelujah. And even simpler than that, you want to go to heaven, just turn right and go straight. It's easy. God's instructions are easy. Hallelujah. So arise, get thee to Zarephath which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Simple enough. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there. Not a widow woman. The widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her. I said, oh, yeah, by the way, while you're getting that, bring me, I pray, thee a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, not my God, as Lord thy God. She, she was a Gentile woman. She was up in Zion. She was in the same area where Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, was from. Fetch me, I pray, the little water in the vessel. And she was going to fetch it. She said, hey, 
Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in the hand. She said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil on a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, fear not. Go and do. Everybody say go. And do. Easy enough. As thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of all fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did. Everybody say went and did. She said, go and do, and she went and did. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of oil, uh, excuse me, the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Amen. And along with this, I want to read a verse of Scripture from John chapter 14. Jesus speaking here to his disciples as he's preparing them for his departure, for his crucifixion, and then his ascension. And he said this, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Greater works. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Verse 12. Again. The works that I do, shall he do also. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. That means you. That means me. Point to yourself and says, that means me. Amen. And God's been working on you and I to get us to that point. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Let your anointing rest and remain upon us this morning. Lord, anoint this preacher. Anoint my lips of clay. Anoint the ears of the hearers. Let us sink deep down in the hearts of God that we may be changed and prepared for greater works in your kingdom according to your perfect will. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Now let the church say amen. Clap your hands one more time unto Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise your name, O God. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. God bless you. you. may be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. If you're a first-time visitor, again, I look forward to meeting you in a hospitality room over a cup of coffee or a cold bottle of water in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Very, very important story with Elijah and uh, the, the development of his faith and the development of his ministry. And there are many in here who are called to preach and also working on uh, their ministerial license. There, we have several others on the pastoral staff, of course, who are licensed and also working towards it. 
but without license or not, uh, that's not the issue. It's the anointing. It's the calling. It's the preparation. It's the studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word, word of truth. Amen. You've got to study the Word of God, and that's what we're doing when each time we get together. Hallelujah. We may be preaching, but we're also studying, and we're preparing ourselves for greater works because God wants to do greater things through us. Hallelujah. So in chapter 17, in the first part of the chapter, uh, we focus on uh, his prophecy to uh, Elijah, excuse me, to Ahab, the king of uh, Israel. And uh, then God tells Elijah to go and hide himself by the brook Cherith, the east side of Jordan. And uh, indeed, he stayed there. We don't know how long, however long it took to, uh, to have that uh, brook dry up because of no rain. It could be months. It could be a year. Uh, we don't exactly know, but he was there long enough to learn the lessons that God intended for him to learn. You know, the predicaments that God has for you and I last as long as he wants us to go through something and learn the lesson that he intends for us to learn. Amen. If you don't learn it, well, get used to that, that condition because he'll bring you back again in a short while. You have to go test again because, you know, God's ascending uh, route is always a spiral. It's not, you know, straight up. It's, it's you go around like this, and then if you pass the test, you go to the next level, and you go around again. Then the next level, next level, you don't stop until the rapture. Yeah. Hallelujah. But that's God's progression. It's God's process. And he's always working on us, always preparing us. Because you see, as Jesus even goes on to tell us in chapter 15 of the book of John, is that he, he wants us to abide in him that we may bring forth much fruit. The question is, how fruitful have we been? That's a rhetorical question. Ask yourself, how fruitful have you been for the kingdom? And so God wants us to bring forth more. If you had a certain amount of fruit already, that's wonderful. But Jesus said that he, then he comes along and, and, and the Lord prunes us that we may bring forth much more fruit. Why? For self-aggrandizement? No. So that his Father, so that God would be more glorified. It's all about His glory. It's all about His kingdom. It's not about us. Elijah had to learn that at Cherith when God told him, go and hide yourself. And he was there for however long he was, at least six months, maybe a year. But he was there, which you might call basic training. I mentioned it the last time. And there it was that God dealt with his pride and, 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 and worked on his humility. He worked on his ego. Amen. Because imagine he was just there all by himself. Uh, and and I, I also mentioned how, you know, it must have been a pretty lonely time. And he was just used a mighty way. He just was sent by God to speak to the king of Israel. Thus saith the Lord. You know, when you used in a gift... It, there, there's a tendency in human nature to be, to be lifted up. This is why the Bible said don't use newbies, don't use novices in, in, in certain roles because they'll become fodder and they become casualties. Uh, they'll become victims of the devil because the devil comes around, around and he, he inflates their ego and, and he, they, they get filled with pride and all of a sudden, you know what the Bible says, a haughty spirit goes before the and pride. That's pride and haughty spirit. And knowledge, you know, puffs up. And, and, uh, and, and when God uses you, well, you know, the, the human flesh wants to glory in that. Uh-uh. You're just vessels. 
We're just vessels through which God's spirit flows. And God knew that with Elijah too and said, no, all right, Elijah, I want you to go aside for a while. I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to, I'm going to work on you. I want to refine you. I want to do some things in you because I want to use you in greater ways than you have, you know, just been used now. You understand that prophesying requires very little faith? You prophesy. Speaking in tongues doesn't require a whole lot of faith. That's very basic. Nobody interprets. When you interpret, it goes a little higher. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And it's the same thing in you being used by God. How to leave. Nevertheless, God deals with it. He's got to deal with our human nature because he put this treasure in earthen vessels, the Bible said. And so he tells Elijah, go to Cherith and hide yourself there. And the Bible said that he commanded the ravens to bring him food morning and night, twice a day. He brought, the ravens brought him food. He had the water to drink of every day. Now, I don't know what he did between his breakfast and his supper. All I know is there was no TV, there was no radio, there were no newspapers, there were not even comic books. There were no entertainers. There were no clowns. There were there was no, nobody around him. He couldn't even build a fire because the smoke would reveal where he was living. He was living on cold food for six months to a year. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that. He was hiding. And he wasn't supposed to have fellowship with anybody else. I don't know if you could handle six months of isolation. What do you do with yourself when it's nothing but you and God out in the wilderness. And God tells you to go stay there. And he didn't hear from God again until the brook dried up, as far as we can tell, what's recorded. Now, I'm sure God was dealing with it because, you know, I don't know about you, but when we have peace and silence and we get alone you know, with ourselves, we begin to, to do some introspection. We think about a lot of things. We think about our future. We think about our plans. We think about us. And here God was working on Elijah to start thinking about him. And he provided for him day after day. Folks, I, I, I cannot overemphasize the importance of this lesson in the first part of chapter 17. And that's why I'm going back to it again in part. Because it was food brought to him every day. It wasn't a huge truckload of food. It was a bite per bite. It was morning and evening every day. And every day that God provided, God strengthened. He put another brick of faith inside of him. His faith kept getting stronger and stronger. But he didn't have to wonder, is there going to be food tomorrow? And every day he was able to focus on God and not focus on his own needs. And really you'll see here that the whole progression of Elijah's uh, uh, life and, and the way God deals with him. In Cherith, he's, he's all about himself. Then there's a widow. Now there's somebody else. And, and after that, it's her son. And, and then after that, it's the king. And back to the nation of Israel, there's a, a progression. And so he's by himself and God was working on him day after day. I cannot emphasize how that God wants you and I to live in the today. Live in today. We're so worried always about tomorrow and the future. What am I going to do? How, how God's going to provide? What's going to be my next job? Where am I going to get more money? How am I going to live? Things are bad in the world. Amen. We need to pay attention to what God says, not what the world is doing. 
Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. Today, we're so busy with our lives going to and fro and, and working and that, that we, we don't notice God. See, today is the day of salvation. Today is the salvation. Not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. It's today. If you don't make it to tomorrow, it doesn't matter. Hallelujah. It's what you did today that matters. Today is the day of salvation. We go to the book of Hebrews, God says to his people time and time again, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as they did in the day of provocation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is what matters to you more than anything else. Today is time to set aside your business and focus on God. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't be anxious about the things that you're worried about. Hallelujah. Set that aside and get along with God. Spend some time with him and get aware of his overwhelming presence in your life. Every day, Elijah became aware that God is everywhere. He's always with me. And he's there providing for me. He's my protector. He's my provider. And he's my help. And I know, I, I know he's, he's, he's going to be there for me. And can I tell someone today that God is going to provide for you? He has already. How long have you been serving him? How many years has he provided for you already? Don't worry about tomorrow. God is going to take care of you. God's going to make sure you have what you and I need. It may not be all that we want, but we're going to have what we need. Just stay strong in faith and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. And so he had some lessons to learn. He, you know, the word cherith means to be cut off, to be cut down, to be cut down to size. It, it's to be set apart and set aside. It was all that. And God set him aside and put him apart. And that's what he does with you and I sometimes. Uh, amen. When he puts us into the hospital. Oh, does God do that? Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he's a healer. But he knows how to get us aside by a brook chair so we can talk to us. Because we don't take enough time to take time for him. So he gets to the place where he gets our attention. Don't have to be a hospital. It could be a hospital. It's a debilitating thing to get home thinking, why am I here? What's God doing? Doesn't God care? Doesn't God love me? No, he cares for you very much, and he knows exactly where you are. Hallelujah. God told Elijah to where to go. I want you to go, Cherith. I want you to hang out there. Listen, when God gives you direction, God gives you provision. This is why the most important thing you can do is to know what is the will of God for any given situation that you find yourself in. What is the will of God? The will of God at any cost. Because if you're in the will of God, it doesn't matter what goes right. God will provide for you if you are in his will. If you step out of that will, you're on your own. But if you're in the will of God, God is going to take care of you. God is going to protect you. God is going to provide whatever you need. So he had to learn to trust God day by day, and he did that. And he set him aside, and he dealt with his fears and his resentments. You know, Sometimes, you know, when we serve God after a while, we even get the sense of entitlement. Well, God owes me. Well, I put so many years in, you know, God owes me. There's certain liberties I can take simply because of who I am, because the length of time in my time in service and time in grade. Ex-military folks, you know what I'm talking about. 
your promotion. It's, it's, yeah, it's also calculated on time in service, time in grade. How long were you at that level? How long have you been in the service? And what your job is? How, how have you passed your, your tests? You got tests. You got more instructions. Because see, after basic training, where you learn the basics, then you go on to advanced training. You go on to technical school. You go learn your, 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 your specialty. And it's the same way in the spiritual sense. Hallelujah. Basic training is where we all begin, you know. They deal with your identity. And then they deal with, uh, with a lot of things. The service deals with your pride. That's why they give you a buzz haircut. Hair is pride. They take away your civilian clothing. They take away your identity and give you a unique one form. Everybody's got the same clothing. We don't want you to be different than anybody else. We don't want any tribes or gangs in here. We're all one unit. We're all one fighting unit. We're all an army. We want Air Force. We want this. We want that. We're all on the same side. Oh, hallelujah. And so Elijah was learning all those basics. And, and, and folks, we've got to get the basics right. If you want to be used in greater things of God, you make sure you got the basics right. The very basics, you know, one God. What's the way of salvation? How are you going to lead somebody to the Lord? How, what are you going to tell them if they ask you how to get to heaven? Are you going to be able to tell them that? Are you going to be able to give them scriptures? Prepare yourself. Hallelujah. When the revival hits and more people are coming, they're going to be asking you questions. Why are you doing what you're doing? What's going to, what are you going to do? Hey, go talk to the pastor. What if a hundred new people come in? Am I going to talk to a hundred different people? No. I'm equipping you. The pastoral staff is teaching, preaching, doing whatever we can, teaching search of truth on Sunday nights. Amen. For those who are interested in improving themselves and knowing how to articulate the things and concepts of the Bible better so you can teach others also. And faith. God, God puts us through these tests and, and besides this basic stuff, you know, he puts us in this advanced training. And that's really what the next step in Elijah's life was all about, beginning with verse 9, when God speaks to him and says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath. To Zarephath. I'm going to repeat that, verse 8 and 9. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, that's important. I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Remember that. Now, again, in Hebrew, you know, the words are important. The meanings are important. Nothing is written there by accident. No single word in here is written and inspired by God by accident. They are there for our admonition, for instruction and righteousness. They are there for us to learn by it. And every... <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You know, it's like when you're eating a good meal, I eat, I eat to the last crumb. <laughs> and when you come to the Word of God, it's like a good meal. It's good to <laughs> Every jot, every tittle, hallelujah. Every crossing of the T and the dotting of the I, it's all good. And so it's important that, uh, that, that Zer- these, these words, Zarephath, in, in, in the verb form, it means a, a smelting or a melting. You know what smelting is? It's where, where they put these, these, these uh, raw metals, raw ore, into a crucible, 
into a, a, a hardened container, either ceramic today or, 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 or steel, and they, and they mix either chemicals or some other additives to that, uh, to that ore that they're trying to get to the base metal, like, for example, copper and, and even silver and, and, and other things, iron. And they put it in this, this fat, and they put other chemicals or even coke, they call it. I'm not talking about coke. I'm talking about, you know, that the coal kind of stuff. And you put it in there, and you heat it up, and, and, it, and it can handle intense heat for the purpose of separating the impurities from the base metal. And that's what Zarephath meant. It meant smelting. Now, it, it, it's supposed that there was some kind of a, a refinery, old-fashioned you know, from Iron Age, from, from, from a place where they could separate the, the iron from, uh, from, from the uh, impure gobs of, of material that, that they find the metal in and separate it from it, and they smelted it. And so, so when God said, I want you to go to Zarephath, he says, I, I'm going to go send you to a smelting place. There's some things that I want to melt in you. And the interesting thing is in that in the noun form of the Hebrew, Zarephath means crucible. And crucible is that very container that holds the ore and all with impurity from which you heat the substance up to separate the impurity from the base metal, to get to the core, to get to the, to the essence, to get the thing which is most valuable. You see, nothing happens in your life by accident. And when you're in the will of God and God says, I want you to go to Zarephath, Elijah. I want you to go to the crucible. Now, things are going to get a little hot there, I understand, but it's for a purpose. There's some things i got to get out of you. There's some impurities that's got to come out. And I'm going to prepare you and refine you because I've got some greater things in store for you. I'm going to work on your face some, uh, some more. Now, I know I provide her for you for this six months to a year, and your faith is now stable and strong, and you don't have to worry about tomorrow. You know that I'll take care of you. But now I'm going to up the ante a little bit. I'm going to show you something else. I'm going to put you in a different situation. And lo and behold, God tells him, go to Zarephath. But the problem is Zarephath is about 90 or 100 miles northwest of where he was, and he had to go through open country, hostile territory, people that were looking for him because Ahab sent out messengers and, and he sent out his troops, his spies. He said, find him. This drought is killing us. It's affecting the economy. Our cows are dying. Our animals and sheep, we're not prospering. The crops are drying up. We've got to find this man and get him to change his prophecy. And so here he was, told by God to leave his safe hiding place, to go to Zarephath, this crucible, and who knows what's waiting for him, but he had to trek through all this hostile territory, people looking for him, 90 miles to 100 miles on foot in the Middle East. But God is his protector. If God tells him to go, you go. That's why some of our missionaries are able to go some of these places where, where we say, how in the world can they go there? Hey Amen. When we saw the missionaries just were here, you know, I'm at the, the, uh, the McBrides. Hey Amen. They're going to Moldova. 
It's right in the front lines of the war with Ukraine and there's Russians there. There's, there's, there's a, the threat of war. Why would they do that? Or you have other missionaries I can't name by name who go to the Middle East. And they go into places where they kill Christians. Why do they do that? Because God said, I want you to go there. I want you to be a witness for, you, for me. Amen. And that's really, in essence, what God was really telling Elijah to do. I want you to go to Zion, that area near Zion. In fact, Zarephath is under the... The, the, the jurisdiction of, of Zidon, and that's why Jezebel's from, and that demonic, wicked woman. She was. You know what she did? Conspired to have Naboth killed for his vineyard. Amen. Brought Israel and institutionalized uh, idolatry to, uh, to a level that has never been seen in Israel before. Amen. The Bible said they had did more wickedness than any other king before him or after him. He was, he was the, the pits, and it was his wife that put them all up to that. And she was from Zidon. And Zarephath was under Zidon, on this jurisdiction. You know, God is so audacious. I mean, in a good way. He's, he's always toying with the devil. I mean, he, he sent Elijah to Zidon where they worship Baal. And, 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 and it's, it's uh, uh, Jezebel's home country. So he, sends, he sends Elijah there to do miracles. <laughs> oh, your God's no God. It's like, you know, it's, it's like when you're, you're a kid. I don't know if you're a kid. When I was a kid, I was playing around with ants. It became big rains. And back in Hungary, you know, we had the huge black ants. And I used to watch them as the downspout came and washed the rainwater out into the yard. Huge black ants. And, and I don't know why. They wanted to go into the water. Anyway, and I was playing with them with a stick, you know. It's just, it's like God playing with black ants, you know. That's how he's toying with the devil. He said, uh, yeah, you're going to send you know, Ahab there. You got Jezebel going to do these things and threaten Elijah. <laughs> See, Elijah, I want you to go to her territory. I want you to go back there where she lived. We're gonna, it's time to do some miracles there and tell her we show them who's God. And, and so Elijah goes. God says, go, I'll go. It seems like the wrong place to go in enemy territory, but you know, God, you told me I'm going. Hallelujah. So he goes into the crucible. And there God applies the intense heat in a sense and brings those pure. You know, it's really the, the Old Testament version of the New Testament cross. It's where, it's where God works on us to become more Christ-like. It puts us in the crucible and the intense heat to get the impurities out of us. And God knows we've got impurities. I don't know about you, but I got impurities. I know I got impurities. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and, and God knows how to purify us. And we need purification. That's what sanctification is all about. It's a process, a never-ending process until we're glorified and the trumpet sounds. But God had a plan for Elijah. And just as he had a plan for Elijah, he's got a plan for you. And he's got a plan for me. That's the good news. Nothing that happens so far is by accident. You're not here today by accident. God brought you here for a reason. But what you do with what you're exposed to as you're in the will of God, that's up to you and God. And if he says, arise and go, will you get up and do? Because when you get a, a man agree with the will of God, there's miracles that takes place. Look at what happened with Mary and Joseph. Mary said, so be it unto me. And when she agreed... The Holy Ghost overshadowed home, brought forth a miracle child, Jesus. There's power in agreement. But 
God spoke to him. And I'm sure, I'm sure that he was very glad that he did. And, and he realized, hey, God didn't forget me. I know he's, he's been providing each and every day. I felt his presence. I really just knew in, in, in so many ways that he's around me. Amen. But he knows where I am. And you know, God knows where you are. I'm speaking to somebody. Brother McNutt, God knows where you are today. Hallelujah. Brother Gary, the Lord knows where you are. He knows every time you get that truck, when you make that round, you go all over the country. Hallelujah. You go back, come back by next weekend. He knows where you are. He knows where you're going. And he knows what's waiting on you. He's got his eye on you. Every last one of you, God knows where you are. Sister Moya, God knows where you are. He knows where you live. He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows every hair on your head or those that aren't there. He sees every time you lose one. He knows you inside and out. He knows where you are, and he's got a plan for you. As individuals, and he's got plans for us as a church, he knows where this church is. He also knows where we're going. Hallelujah. And we're just a part of the bigger church, the invisible church of God. And I know we're all going up. There's no doubt about that. Praise the Lord. I don't want to be in it. I want to be part of that church that goes up. I don't want to be in a part of the church that gets left behind. But God has a plan. And uh, I just want to remind you, you know, that if you feel abandoned, don't. God loves you. Because he knows exactly where we are. You know, in Isaiah 41, 10, that's a beautiful scripture that I think you really ought to be aware of. And God says, fear not. Fear not. Look at that. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Fear not. I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Lift up your head. No matter what kind of a situation you find yourself in, be not discouraged. Don't be dismayed. For I am thy God. He is your God. Your God. He's my God. Say it. He's my God. Hallelujah. I will strengthen thee. Yea, he said, I will uphold thee. Yea, he said, I will uphold thee and help thee, and I will uphold thee with my right hand of righteousness. God is here to help you, to strengthen you, to uphold you. He's always with you. Next time the devil comes around and Makes you feel like nobody and nobody cares and God just forgot about me and God's dumping on you. No, he's not. You know, he's got you exactly where he wants you. In the crucible. And he's there to strengthen you and to help you go through this thing so you come out finer. So you can be used for greater things. Hallelujah. God knows where he's going. He knows where Elijah's going. He says, arise, go there and stay there. He's one step at a time. And, uh, and so sure enough, he arrives to Zarephath. And when he gets to Zarephath, he faces two tests. And that's what I want to focus on with you now. Two tests. The first test is the first test of first impressions. First impressions. And this is important even for you and I today. Because when he gets done, look, I, I don't know what his expectations were. But look, he, he's been already fed by ravens every day, morning and night. And, and maybe he thought, well, you know, I put, I've been through basic training here. I, I, I've been through the tough times. I know how to handle all this. And now maybe God's going to give me a little bit more food. Maybe he'll give me some warm food. Well, he got that right. I mean, he got some warm biscuits. 
But he, maybe he thought, well, you know, if, if, if he's sending me a widow, maybe she's a rich widow. <laughs> At least he was hoping that he gets something more than he's had for the last six months to a year. But, you know, widows in the olden days were notoriously known for, for their poverty. And this widow woman that God sent Elijah to was no different. She was poor as Job's turkey, as we say. In fact, she, she was out collecting sticks to make the last batch of flour and oil so she could die of starvation on her son. <laughs> so when he, he comes to, to this woman, uh, he... he, he he sees the condition. He sees this, this, this limitation. But he remembers the word of the Lord. He says, I am sending you to a widow woman to sustain thee. Now that was the word of God. See, this is why the word of God is important to stand on when he's speaking to you something. When he's giving you a promise, you've got a word to stand on. And God expects you and I to remember that promise and remember that word and not go by our first impressions of a certain crisis or a certain time that we come up against where we look upon our own natural abilities or somebody else's limited ability to provide for us and say, now what? Am I in the wrong place? Did I hear God wrong? No, it's exactly where God wanted him to be. But amen. But, but, but that limitation, oh hallelujah, that little thing that the woman had can be multiplied. So he was now focusing not on his feelings and not upon his first impression. I mean, you know, our, our first impression will be, you know, man, that's all she's got. A little container of flour, a little bit of oil. That's not going to be enough. I mean, wouldn't that be what we, for you and I first would think? Hallelujah. All there's just a little flour, a little oil. Now, that's not enough to feed three people. So many times God puts us in a crisis and the lesson for us is to bank on our past experience of so many years that we have lived with him, that he has provided for us. Do you understand that every day that you and I live that is a raven experience? Whether you're liking it, you think I'm just going to work and it's because, well, I got a job and I'm working for it and yeah, God's rewarding me because, you know, I, I work for it. Yeah, it is, but do you understand that it is God's provision that you have all that? It is. But too often, we don't think about it. We don't think about God because he's invisible. He's not there. He's somewhere distant from us. And all we do is focus on a job from day to day to week to week, a paycheck to paycheck. And yeah, I'll cash my check and do this, pay my bills and do this. And all of a sudden, when the funds run dry and you're fired or you're released because of the economy, all of a sudden, now oh, what? When all those days and years, you should have been thanking God and thinking, God has provided for me. Thank God I've got food to put on my table. Thank God I've got a job where I can and pay my bills. It's God's ravens combination every day to provide for me. For years he has done that. I have lived. So when the crisis comes, you're not looking at your limitations. You're looking upon the expanseness of God. You're looking at God's abilities. For, for he's able, hallelujah, to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. My God 
Christ that supply all of your needs. Riches and glory. That was the first test, first impression. Too many times we hit a crisis and we tend to react in the natural. Oh, that ain't going to work. That's not enough there. Mm -mm. No, that's just first impression. If you're in the will of God, remember, if you're in the will of God, God provides. If you're in the will of God, there's provision. Hallelujah. And so he sends her to this poverty-stricken Gentile woman. She wasn't Hebrew. In fact, it was outside of the, the, the commonwealth of Israel. In fact, Jesus goes back to this and talks about this. I mentioned to the staff the last time I preached on this, you know, that Jesus refers to this, this event. And he, and he talks to the, the doubters and the skeptics around him and say, you know, in the days of Elijah and Elisha, there, was many, there were many widows that could have had help, could have had miracles, but none experienced the miracle of God than this Zidonian stranger. There were many lepers in the times of Elisha the prophet, and they were not healed, but only Naaman, the general from Syria, again, outside of the commonwealth of Israel. And he was telling the Pharisees, see, just like the prophets of old, we have to go outside of the commonwealth of Israel. I'm going outside of Judea as well. I'm going to go to the place where, not where I'm tolerated, but where I'm celebrated. I'm going to do my miracles where people are open to it. And they may not be Jewish. They may be Samaritans. And they may be Gentiles. But you know what? I'm going to work the works while I've got the chance to do it. Hallelujah. I'm going to work in the hearts of those whose hearts are open and ready and will receive me. And will be ready to obey my word. The test of first impressions. And so... He didn't give in to his impulses of first impressions and tells the woman, thus saith the Lord. Why did he say that? Because he remembered this phrase. I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain. And now, maybe the widow woman don't know about it. But Elijah knew the word of God and he knew what God said to him. And based on what God told him. He speaks to the woman, no doubt with the inspiration of the Spirit. said, thus saith the Lord. If you do what I say, if you give me that water and make me the cake first, then you're going to never run out of flour. You're never going to run out of oil until the Lord sends rain on the earth again. She took the word. And you know what? She did exactly as he said. She baked a little biscuit Mm. Anybody skip breakfast like me? She made a biscuit first for the man of God. Mm. That'll preach. Hallelujah. No, I'm not in the market for biscuits. You know. But you can tell a lot about a person's attitude towards God and how they treat the man of God. Give to the Lord first. Give to the Lord first and to the Lord's man of God. God will make sure that your oil and your vat of flour will never run out. And so she did exactly as he said. 
and she brought him cake, and then she went and made for herself and for her son. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. See, the situation looked impossible for him, but he knew that with God all things are possible. All things are possible to them that believe. And your experiences are mine in the past. How many years you served him should say this to you and teach you and strengthen your resolve that, that your God is able to supply all of your needs. And that with your faith in him, God can do anything through you. God is not limited in anything. I don't know what you have need of, but God is able. God is more than able to provide. Praise the name of the Lord. So Elijah's faith was inspired, has inspired the widow of Zarephath. Uh, and and she, she did exactly as, as, as he told her. You know, it's important for us to be around people of faith. You ever been around people of faith? Well, they, they don't have can't or impossible in their vocabulary. That's why I like to read missions books. I, like to, I, I have friends in the ministry who I like to talk with. I like to hang around with. Why? Because they inspire me. I know the fire is burning. You can't light somebody else's candle if yours is out. You know? Hallelujah. You've got to be around somebody that, whose, whose fire is lit. I like, I like that. I like to be around others who, who make my flame brighter. And I like, I like talking scripture. I love talking revelation. I want to see what God's been showing them because it, it thrills me. It just, it just sparks things inside of me. It just inspires me. And people of faith are the same way. That's why I like when Brother Green comes. I like to have some time with him. I know everybody else does too, but yeah, I get first dibs. <laughs> Praise God. We all love him and other preachers. We don't have it all. Nobody does. But God sends different ministers. He's got different gifts. I'd love to have Brother Mark Morgan. Oh, my word. I'd love to pick his brain apart. Hallelujah. And, and because, because their faith is inspiring. Brother T.W. Barnes, I had the great fortune to be around uh, many great men of God and women of God uh, who have inspired me and strengthened me throughout the years. Brother Switzerland, he was a man, great man of faith. Hallelujah. And great things uh, have happened in his ministry. And even with me, I mean, it was Brother Switzer that prayed for me when God healed my back after 14 years of back trouble. And I haven't had any since. And that was in October of, uh, what, 1985. Hallelujah. And from that time forth, I've never had any more problems. Going on 40-some years, 40 years, going on. 40. God did that. Hallelujah. But inspiring faith. Is what uh, what happened to the woman of Zarephath, and 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 uh, this this widow was never the same. And uh, and Elijah was told arise and go. He went, and he he told the woman what to do. And the Bible says she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And uh, then of course the miracle took place, and the scripture affirms in verse fifteen. And in 16, verse 16, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Miracle after miracle, day after day. That little, notice God didn't multiply that flower and all of a sudden give her 
1,000 pounds of flour. Neither did he send a huge barrel of oil. Not this time. This other woman, you know, with Elisha, it was similar. Isn't it interesting? With that miracle, he says, borrow a vessel, not a few, whatever you can get. And God filled all that oil. Now go sell it, pay your bill, and live on the rest. Mm, isn't that great? It's like winning the lottery, you know. <laughs> Except this wasn't. This was by the word of the Lord. And uh, in any case, he said, go and do. And she went and did. And miracle after miracle, day after day after day. And, and that brings me to my main point. I, I want to see more miracles. I want to see more miracles. But it has to start with us being more aware of God's presence in our lives day by day. It has to be with you and I going back to basics, is going, remembering our foundation and remembering how we got to where we are today. Remembering all the great things that God has done for us and using that as a stepping stone when we come and, and, and to face to face with impossible situations that, that, that seem to be really impossible for you and I. Well, it's meant to be that way. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a miracle. God brings the things that we can't do so he can do it to show us who he is. And he gets glorified. That, that's the whole point of miracles. That's the whole point of miracles that he wants to do through you and I. He wants to use you to perform miracles. And all it takes is your faith and your obedience. To, to, when the Spirit says, I want you to go pray for that person, it, 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 it takes you getting up the gumption, that courage to go and do because if he says, go and pray, and you get up and go, then the miracle takes place. There is no miracle without obedience. That's part of basic training. One of the first things you learn in the military, you go to basic training, you learn to follow orders, whether you like them or not. And if somebody's got a higher rank, you better do what they say. They teach you the basics. And that's why I said, you want to be used in greater things Get good with the basics. You can't do greater things without knowing the basics. And so here he is enjoying another miracle and now involving one other person, two actually, the widow woman and her son, a young child we presume because what happens next tells us that he's pretty much a young child, a young widow woman, a young child. He had a loft up in the house where he lived, separated his prayer chamber. We spent many times with God. And so as God tested Elijah's faith and developed it through that test of first impression and then with limited supplies, which is physical impossibilities, then all of a sudden comes another challenge. And that is a death in the family. For verse 17 tells, it came to pass after those, these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said to her, notice what he says, didn't fight her, 
didn't rebuke her, didn't reprimand her. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I serve? Don't you know our God is a miracle-working God? Don't you know? Look, look at the past weeks or months or whatever. Look how God has provided. He didn't say none of that. In fact, he was quite sympathetic. Give me thy son. That's all he said. And she took, and he took him out of her bosom. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft, his place, where he abode. It's where he called on God time and again. It's where he prayed and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord. Now, that cry does not mean, O Lord, our Father which art in heaven. That wasn't the kind of cry meaning, O God of Israel, Elohim, Adonai, O Lord. He cried to the Lord and said, O Lord my God. Hast thou brought also evil upon the, upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. Can I tell you, when he faced death in the face, he had no manual. He had no written record up to this point. There is no record of anyone being raised from the dead. There is no Bible. There's no historical record. There's no instruction manual to follow at step one, two, three, and four. And then you do that, and they'll be you know, raised back into life again. He had no Bible to read. There wasn't any except the Torah, first five books of the Bible, and he's living it. And this is being written about him. But he had no example. You and I have the examples of Jesus to go by too. We see all the three that he raised from the dead. The widow woman of Nain, uh, uh, the, 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 the synagogue's ruler's daughter, uh, Jairus. His daughter was raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead. And last of all, Jesus raised himself. He was raised from the dead. But before that, and, and then Jesus said, you know, these works shall ye do. When he sent him out, you know, pray for the sick, open the eyes of the blind, open ears of the deaf, raise the dead, heal the sick. And now here he is. And notice he, he prayed three times, not just one time, three times. And he was doing a, a, a something for, for this one way, something other than, than for himself. All to now, it's been about him. And now the focus was shifted to somebody else, a Gentile woman. And after this, see, see, God, see how God's developing his faith? He, he encounters death. And now the next step after this is going to be calling together all the idolatrous leaders and all the, the, the prophets of Baal and call them. And then he prays and fire comes down from heaven. And then 
he goes to the mountaintop of Carmel and he prays. He prays for rain and he prays seven times. Do you see the progression here of where God is leading him and what God is going to do through him by the time he got to Mount Carmel? Can I tell you, he's been with a God that has provided for him miraculously day after day, who's provided, who's protected, who's guarded, who's done everything that he, need, he needed. Amen. And then on top of that, he raises somebody from the dead. And when you go and face the idolatrous generation who believe in something that is not God, He's able to stand without fear or favor and say, Thus does the Lord God of Israel. How long do you stand between two opinions? If Baal's God, serve him. If God, the Lord of Israel's God, serve him. And of course, he challenges him through that prayer of fire. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. But that's the next step. But this is the making of a man of God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And when he delivers the child back to the woman, Zarephath, the woman says this, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Now, stand with me if you would. Jesus... In Mark 16, 20, it says this, And they, the disciples, went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Elijah spoke the word of the Lord, this woman, this widow of Zarephath, and she reaped the benefits of obeying the word of the Lord. God's miracle was there day after day, and she survived this great famine. Because of God's provision. And if you and I are going to do greater things in the kingdom of God in the days ahead, we need to be centered to the voice and do exactly as God has said. We need to go forth and we need to pray. The Bible said in verse 20 of Mark 16, and they went why? Because Jesus is recorded in Matthew 20, 19. Go ye therefore into all the nations. He said, go, and they went. And as they went, God confirmed the word with signs, wonders, and miracles. And that is what's missing in us. As we go forth from this place, to go forth and proclaim the name of the Lord. Proclaim the promises of God. Proclaim who He is. Proclaim salvation in the name of the Lord. Proclaim healing in the name of the Lord. And then you, as God speaks to you, and you, as the Spirit of God moves upon you, pray for the Bible said, Jesus speaking, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In my name, hallelujah, they shall speak with new tongues. In my name, they shall take up sermons, not hand those snakes. But if something deadly happens to you, God will protect you. Not tempting God, heaven forbid. Amen. But God protects you in the process of you doing his ministry, occupying until he comes. Hallelujah. Greater things. Everybody say greater things. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise team, you can come. 
I really believe that we must also learn this lesson from Elijah. His experiences that Cherith and Zarephath to get us to that level of faith that God needs for us to work together with him. Every day that we live, really we're living in Cherith. Even Zarephath. And we've got to come to the realization that whatever crisis or whatever need comes up that's really raveling us, that we learn not to go by the first impressions or initial feelings. It's really an opportunity for God to see if you're going to approach the situation with eyes of faith and not with feelings of fear and anxiety. It's okay to have the fear. God tells us fear not. I mean, why? Because we got the potential. We're human. We get afraid sometimes. But we got to get over that initial sense of fear and anxiety and transition from the natural to the supernatural and to focus on the spirit and focus on our faith and and that's a choice that we have to make we've got to choose to look at this crisis through eyes of faith and and not judge it by our own feelings amen and and we've got to to handle this impossible situation with eyes of faith and and not act upon our first impulses of fear and anxiety god wants to do that for us Now for us, great things, doing great things, begins in Zarephath, begins in the crucible. It begins you in the test of fire and pressure and trial, sicknesses, wavered children, goes in various different forms. But you're Zarephath. Your crucible is yours. It was made for you, designed for you. And God is working on you and you need to transition you from the natural to the supernatural to begin seeing how God can make a difference, how God can change a circumstance. And don't go by appearances. Don't go by how bad things look. Look at how good they're going to be. Remember the word of the Lord like Elijah did. For I have commanded a widow woman to, to supply, to, to, to sustain thee. When you remember that, he prophesied. When you remember the promises of God, you need to prophesy to your situation. You need to talk to that mountain. You need to tell that mountain to go, to go and be cast into the sea. Oh, hallelujah. So I don't know where you find yourself today, where you're Zarephath or Cherith. Maybe you feel like you're set apart. Maybe you feel yourself isolated, apart, alone. I don't know. But you're exactly where God wants you to be and God knows where you are but when he speaks to you make sure you get up and go make sure you get up and do what he tells you to do now I'm opening these altars right now I don't know where you are here in the crucible amen and you need to have some strength that God promised you you come up here hallelujah pray God says I will I'm with you don't be afraid I am your God I will strengthen you I will help you I will uphold you I'm going to be everything that you need me to be. Hallelujah.
Praise the name of the Lord. As they sing, would you come and pray? Seek the Lord, while he may yet be found. If you're here today, you don't know the Lord.